Okay, this is for all the people that aren't going to make it through this entire podcast. This is the Guilty Pleasures Podcast. This is episode 12, I believe. You can find us on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, uh, and uh, we have a Facebook page. We're on Twitter. at yeah. What's our Twitter address, Sean? At Guilty, P-L-E-S-R-P-O-D, Pleasure Pod. Okay. They only let and me where, so where can people more. find you on the, on the uh, uh, Twitter? At Sugar Jam, S-U-G-A-J-A-M. And uh, I'm at, Scott. at Scott McCrickard, S-C-O-T-T-M-C-C-R-I-C-K-A-R-D. I'll shorten it, too. <laughs> and uh, I'm at Dave Martin World. And our guest today is going to be Electric John. Where can we find you, Electric John? ElectricJohn.tumblr.com. All right, cool, y'all. I was just talking to a punk rocker, actually. He prefers murderers to murderees. I, I, was, talking, I was talking to a punk rocker, someone who played at CBGB's. No, the serial diary. I don't like the guy she killed, but I like the murderer chicks, man. I like yeah. the hutzpah. Well, you know, I always said I like women that break the law. So, yeah. um, Courtney Love. I'm like, well, uh, you know, I sort of understand her rage. It makes more sense to me. What about Eileen Warnos? Are you a big fan? Yeah. Oh my what God. about the, yeah, the, uh, the serial killer from Florida? I'm a fan of her sexuality, but not her murdering. I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of her prostitution, but not of her murdering. I don't side. even know who that is. But. Eileen Warnos. Oh, she's. I'm a, an ally. Serial killer. I'll yeah. be an ally sexually, but not murderly. Lesbian serial killer. Yeah. I, there's probably more good whole songs than Nirvana songs. <laughs> is my final point on this whole I like Nirvana. Malibu. She's her most popular. That's song. a great. All of her albums song. are really yeah. great. I have, it, I have almost all of her stuff. Didn't Kurt Cobain write most of that stuff? No, no, he didn't. He, he, uh, one al- there is one album. He might have that... been in his sleep, but she got the tape recorder. Yeah. Live, live Through This yeah. is, is uh, the it's one. A, it's, a, it's a conspiracy. He wrote every song for her. I'm the Jesse Ventura. I was a fighter. Speaking no, was, of Minneapolis. Uh, guilty Pleasures. It's the Guilty Pleasures Podcast. Toronto, Canada. Uh, we should probably uh, take a moment to introduce uh, our guest today, uh, Electric John. Electric John. What other names do you go by, John? Uh, in the Yukon, they call me Johnny Blue Jeans. Uh, <laughs> native, native kids in the north end of Dawson City. Speak a little closer. Know me as uh, Johnny Blue Jeans in the That's Yukon. That's very nice. Yeah. And where did Johnny Blue Jeans come from? I don't know. Some one day, some 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 uh, native cat in Dawson came up and said, "Hey, it's Johnny Blue Jeans." <laughs> And I was Johnny Blue Jeans, and <laughs> all those slack at the time was really weird. All those kids know me as Blue Jeans, and and the same thing happened with Electric John. Actually, it was guys I went to school with in Selkirk, Manitoba, and and they, I walk by and they go, "Hey, it's Johnny Electric." They're also native cats, so 
Na- native dudes nickname me randomly, and I have no say in it. Nothing to do with like a getting struck by lightning or anything like that. Yeah. No, I, I will tongue in a socket. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be great? Like you know, in a, in a sort just of go like, with that story. Like a hip hopper <laughs> wanting to go to jail to cement their mythology, just to get to live a lightning, live through a lightning strike. My yeah. live through this. Fuck you, Courtney Love. I would. Uh, you know what? As a kid, I always wanted to get hit by lightning because I thought I would get some superpower. Yeah. Well. The, yeah. Yeah. I, I read too so. many comic books too. And then I think I, wouldn't it be disappointing to get hit by lightning and then not wake up with some and just realize skill? you have brain damage and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, if you, if you, hopefully you'd want to have enough brain damage so that you wouldn't know that you had brain damage. Yeah. I think it gives you seizures. I think I heard about a guy recently, and his problem was that he has seizures. That's turns what, out it's more physiotherapy than superpowers when you uh, get hit by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> if your superpower is forgetting things. If your super, if your superpower is having your dad drive you to physio every Tuesday and Thursday, and having a twitch you can't stop. That's a superpower. I think there's an Amish John somewhere who just doesn't go with electricity at all. Yeah, there's a hey, Amish John. Hello, English. Acoustic bill. It's like a heated, butter? A heated toilet, right? <laughs> heated toilet. Now that's a living. Yeah. It's fun. it's interesting because John is a pretty common name, yeah. and yet you have had several people is pretty attach something else to John. That doesn't yeah. happen to most Johns, I think. But but that that people attach. Well, I don't use an H. Name. I think that's it's, I'm a Jonathan. That's no also H. different. Yeah, that is yeah. different. I've never had a nickname. You guys had nicknames? I've never had a nickname. Oh. I guess uh, maybe okay. Hey, is drunky. It, yeah. Is it, <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm trying to get Marty going. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it uh, necessarily, is it called a nickname when people only say it behind your back? I don't know, but <laughs> somehow I don't think so. It's their uh, nickname. But, if you agree to it, it's your nickname. Oh, well, Chris Finn sometimes calls me Nighttime DM. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? What's, you know, the cough syrup? Because you knock people out? And he's Dave Martin. No, 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 because my name's Dave Martin. And so the, the, nighttime. It's the, like the trimedical DM. The, the, okay. the, night, the nighttime The one that syrup. puts you to sleep. Yeah, the one that knocks you out. Like, otherwise he'd call you daytime so that DM. Is not a, that is insult to your face. <laughs> yeah, maybe that is kind of an insult, actually. I guess people say either, I either put people to put people to sleep or I, uh, you know, knock you out. But like Cricks or McSee, that's not really a nickname. That's just using my name and shortening it. It's like a hockey nickname. I took in front of Scott. Yeah, because you know you need a nickname because whenever we're like, here's what our Twitter addresses are. Yours is so long. I'm like MCC. I'm like Scott. Come on, can it just be? I'm gonna shorten it to something else. (laughs) Those are just like hockey nicknames where they just take the name they had an E at the end or you know yeah Jonesy yeah (laughs) Ballsy Crixie. Well, they they kind of they 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 nicknamed you uh, Scott McRickard at uh, of Jeremiah Bullfrogs because I called once or twice. And uh, I asked a Scott McCrickard there, and they were like, who? I was like, Scott McCrickard, uh, and then I kind of... And they went white or red. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go. And, then, and they were like, oh, Scott McRickard. Because right. I guess that you were like uh, the uh, Scott uh, yeah. Rickard's Red guy. The president of Rickard's Red, which is just Molson. You know, when I, I was delivering juice in the early 90s when they were bringing out Rickard's Red. Like literally juice? Yeah, or ju- like, yeah juice to bars. Or like juice like the Tupac Shakur movie. No, juice... Con- yeah, steroids, no. <laughs> Concentrated juice to bars and restaurants, and uh, the guy, the Molson rep, was just starting to push this new beer called Rickard's Red, and he just told us straight up, it's just Molson Canadian with dye in it. Caramel. Really? Right? Oh, yeah. Is it caramel? Maybe they've added caramel since, but it, at the time it was only dyed red. Yeah. Is it caramel See, or caramel? I, I believe it's caramel. Caramel? Yeah, I, I have an ongoing discussion with people about caramel. this. Caramel. You know what I hate? On, I <laughs> yes. hate on cooking it's shows. Caramel. On cooking shows. Give me some caramel. caramel corn. The two humped caramel. <laughs> the caramel lives in the desert. The caramel. <laughs> Anything? <laughs> on cooking shows, they say caramelized. And I always think, what is that? Caramel? That's a city in California. <laughs> I sold Christmas trees there one Christmas. Oh, wow. You've been around. Yeah. 
Yeah, you've traveled a lot. Yeah. Did you uh, sell a Christmas tree to, like Clint, to Clint Eastwood? No, but I got stoned with uh, the lead singer from The Offspring. He was friends with our boss's wife's mechanic, and they came and we got high with them in our little trick camper. Oh. Uh, it was cool. His name is Dave. Light up the joint and pass Dexter it this way. I'd rather sell dun, a Christmas dun, dun, tree dun, dun, dun. to uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint didn't come around. No. <laughs> Clint. He Maybe he's, he's working on a million dollar baby or something. Yeah. Are you gonna light that joint, punk? <laughs> yeah. Get off my joint! Yeah. Didn't they? They tried to ban eating ice cream cones on the sidewalk, and that's what gave him the the, the rage, the, yeah. the rage to to be the mayor. Cause he, he ran got, for mayor in '86 because he was so mad about that. '87, '86, around I'm there. We're still talking about the guy from Offspring. <laughs> he became no, mayor. <laughs> Anything could happen. Okay, that, we, um, should we get out? Should we get onto well, the prince? Speaking of traveling, yeah, we're warm. Okay. Let's, go, do, uh, let's uh, go to the Twin Cities. You, yeah. so you lived in Win- <laughs> you lived in Winnipeg. Yeah, and you, so that's close to Minneapolis. It is. It and is. And our subject today is Prince. You know what's funny? Uh, just I'm not going to go too on too much of a tangent, but Minneapolis and Winnipeg are sort of like these weird like Midwestern sister cities, and there's an ur- ur- urbanness to them. And uh, they also used to have this wrestling circuit called the American Wrestling Association, the AWA. And it was based out of Minneapolis. Vern Gagne ran it. And they would go on these tours. They would come to Winnipeg. And they do a few other American cities and stuff. But it was basically the big cities were Winnipeg and Minneapolis. And so all these bands that came out of Minneapolis in the eight, like that, from that scene, like whether it was Prince time. or Morris Day in the Time, the funk bands, but also like bands like punk bands and, and like indie bands like uh, The Replacements and Soul Asylum and uh, uh, Husker Du. So I always felt like an affinity to the, those people. Even Chuck Klosterman, who comes from North Dakota, and he, he writes a lot about like the, the Midwest, North Minnesota, North Dakota. You kind of uh, have a, a, a sort of an affinity for those artists. You know what they went through to be artists there. And the thing about Prince is that unlike everybody else who just fucks off to New York or L.A., Prince stayed in Minneapolis and said, I'm going to make Minneapolis cool. Right. I'm did so cool. I'm cool enough to be cool in my own city. That's right. That's right. You know, did, he, like, did he succeed? Did he do that? No, yeah. He definitely. Oh, he got oh, beaten yeah. up. Definitely. <laughs> no, well, actually, I was thinking, he, he's like um, Barry Gordy, because in Detroit, yeah. also nearby there. Yeah. Um, but the difference is, is that it's Barry Gordy. But with the talent of Mozart, is, is like Barry Gordy's just a businessman, but Prince figured out how to do it and be the artist on top of the whole thing. Yes. The yeah. empire. Well, and another thing he figured out how to do, uh, for, especially he was the, one of the first real musicians that turned the job, like his main role was producer. He's one of the first yeah. super producers. Yeah. Like nobody did that when he was 17. And like they, the guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire was supposed to produce his debut album. Right in right. 1978, and and Prince is like, no, nah, nobody's producing this record with me. And yeah. A 17 year old kid did that. Yes. So now these kids, that's all people do is produce music in their bedrooms. You don't need bands she anymore. Started that whole revolution. Yeah, you, you don't can make an album in your yeah. Basement. And his version of it was playing all the instruments, but now kids have fucking computers, so they don't even need to do that. Kid, P- well, he was doing like 1999 was recorded in his basement. In yeah, the whole album in 1981. Yeah, that's what's that's where the revolution really is. There is mm-hmm. that he he decided. Actually, it was Dirty Mind because he did a, a demo for Dirty Mind, and then he played it for his manager, and it was just a demo. And the manager said, "Why don't you just make that the album?" Yeah, and that's and that's considered one of the most influential albums of funk and new wave because it's so stripped down. 
and he just did it in his basement. Prince did a lot of weird shit that you don't realize, you know, <laughs> and you don't think about. Like, yeah, I bet he, he has. Yeah, he would, no, sure but he, he would did, yeah. well, with music though. He would pull. Oh, oh with music, okay. he, would, he would pull the bass part right out. Like he did with that with Kiss. Like he like listen. Yeah. He listened to the track and he took the bass part out. It's so sparse. It's like a beat and a guitar, and yeah. you know maybe there's some little bit of synth. But, but when they first heard Kiss, they were like, this sounds too raw, like a demo, you know, like, we don't want to use it. But yeah. nowadays, everybody thinks you have to, like, especially in funk and rap, you know, they overload everything with bass. And, like, Prince wasn't afraid with dynamic to take the bass I away. I say, well, When Doves Cry has no bass line. And that's right. one of his biggest hits. Exactly. You don't realize that with it Prince. It doesn't? You don't even no, notice when there's no, no bass, bass in a Prince song. No, He's so because good. Because no one else would do that. But it's misdirection. See, Prince takes you over here and over yeah. there, and the song is great, and you don't yeah. think about it has no bass. Okay, for, okay. now, let me just get... I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, uh, crazy into Prince like you guys are. So, for someone who's getting introduced to Prince, now how many out Like, I was first introduced to him uh, <laughs> with, with the album Purple Rain. 1984. Me, me, too. 1984, me too. Right? Yeah. So, what well, did he do before? Before then, sorry. What did he do? Did he? Before Purple he Rain started, was his first album. He started. No, Purple this, Rain was his no, no, fifth no, no, album. No, 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 no. Yeah. Really? Okay. Purple Rain's down the line from the beginning. Yeah. He, what he's talking about, the Earth, Wind, and Fire guy was going to produce an album. That was in the 70s, 78. late 70s. So there's a disco period of Prince as well, a disco R&B period. He met Shaka Khan. That's how I know Shaka Khan is. She was a star before he was a star, and and he was sort of this young punk coming up. And uh, and he, but he was very egotistical, I would say. But he he deserves to be. He's very talented. Well, in the way that somebody well, under- that doesn't mean that you should be egotistical. Well, no, he, no. he he wanted full control right from the start. Well, I don't think that's egotistical. Yeah. I, I think it is in the sense that somebody who completely understands their goals and their art and what they want to achieve or put out. They, they, they can't take any chances with that. And they, they're not second-guessing themselves because they... And, and I admire him for it because normally it would bother me if someone was like that. But in his case, I think, well, this guy really has the talent to back up. He should be the one in charge. Well, here's an example of that. The sound, the, the sound engineer, when they were first recording, like the original band, when he was playing with Andre Simone and, and, and some of the first people, um, and they were all... At the beginning, when he... Like, he did that first record for you in 78... His next record in, in uh, 79, Prince, he had a hit called I Want to Be Your Lover. I want to um, be your lover. Yeah, great song. Great pop song. But uh, I'll just do impressions. because Somebody was saying, well, I, <laughs> the sound engineer was saying, like, in the studio, like, the band at the time, even though Prince was tell, sort of letting, letting it be known that the band name was just Prince, like, his name, and, like, everybody was still, like, going to be, like, an equal in the band. But then they said Prince just eventually started go picking up the bass and going, here, play it like this. And they're like, okay. And they played it like that because they knew he was right. And then he'd get on the drums and he'd play it yeah. like this. And they'd be like, I, but I can't play the drums that well. Or the, <laughs> the keyboard player is like, but I'm not a master pianist like you are, Prince. I mean, it doesn't matter which instrument it he is. He worked with robots. He, he could just pick up any instrument. No, but so that's, that's very Paul McCartney of him in some ways. Yeah, and he's uh, influenced by the Beatles as well. When did he start wearing the funny suits? <laughs> well, when you, well, well, you know what's... Well, no, no, okay, now, now how much is Purple Rain like his actual career? Like, how well does it... Uh, the how, movie, how the ac- story of the movie? Yeah, how accurate is that? It's a condensed version of his life. Like, all of these events took place over a longer period of time and weren't as dramatic. So it was like someone took a lot of poetic license with his life story. Like the Eminem movie, 8 Mile, similar. I still think Chocolate Candy whenever I hear Eminem. That's still the first thing that well, comes no, the to kid, mind. Or the kid from that was <laughs> I know, then. I know. That was then. This is now. It takes the acid. Did you read the S.E. Hinton book? 
That no, was no, 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 I missed that one. But I just uh, so I mean yeah so it's a, it's like a, a fictionalized sort of version of it. It is, but you know what I think the brilliance of that because probably most of us that's probably when we first uh, connected to Prince, right? That, I know I did. Well, right? that's the first time I remember seeing him. It's the but, first time I understood how brilliant he was. Well, I just I also think it's kind of interesting that like that for his first big release, he actually makes a movie, and the movie is like a biography well, of him. Remember, 1999 had a lot of hits, right? It had uh, Delirious, 1999, Little Red, Little Corvette. Red Corvette. So and a lot of dance hits. So he he had all controversy before that had a few hits. So he in the R and B world. He was already a star. Yeah, but I think he, his mainstream success came with Purple Rain. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, well, and, in 1999, but, I would say. Well, but okay. In, in he, the summer of 1984, Prince perm- permeated the pop culture consciousness of, of the world. He just appeared. He was everywhere. When Doves Cry went to number one. Right. Uh, a purple rain came out, and he had been brewing peripherally for us culturally, but no one was really paying attention until that happened. That was a moment of tipping point for. Prince. And I think the part of the tipping point was for someone like me because I didn't totally get it right away. I, I didn't like Little Red Corvette. I thought he was just a, a Michael Jackson copy. I, I remember thinking that when I saw him on Solid, Solid Gold, and so then someone talked me into seeing the movie. Purple Rain, and that's when I connected, because then I had a story, right? I was like, oh, I understand, because I'm a musician, I lived in my parents' basement, I fought with my dad, you know, and then to see the story about a guy sort of going through the same kind of thing, I lived in Calgary, I mean, I just uh, uh, connected to it emotionally, yeah. because I had the story, and the whole thing is sort of told like a, a church story, <laughs> that, that it starts off as a sermon, let's go crazy, it ends with something that's similar to um, Amazing Grace, which is Purple Rain, that there's sort of a church service thing about it. And by the end of that church service, I was sold, man. I was By the end of that movie, yeah. I was like, this guy is a genius. It was great. If, but if you pay attention, there's also a, sort of a tongue-in-cheek self-mythologizing going on. Like, for example, when they drive to Lake Minnetonka. Did that actually happen? If it did, Please, if it, it did, did, it would have been in the 70s, and he wouldn't have had this crazy giant purple glam bike. You know what I mean? Like, like well, little is, things like that. This is an interesting thing, because the, uh, the, the club First Avenue... Yeah. Uh, and the seventh they Street make entry. it seem like this is the biggest funk club in America, right? But right. the fact is, you're in the Midwest. That's Minneapolis, and it wasn't just funk going on there. Oh, was, I've been. I've been to it shows. Was, the, 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 I saw the owner in an interview saying, "Yeah, I mean, they sort of exaggerated how big the funk and R and B movement was." Because there was also a lot of alternatives. That's where all the band, every band played. And if yeah. you're in the Midwest, yeah, you, you're you right. Did sh- you did shows at that venue? You too. I've, you I've two seen played shows there. at the venue. I've, I've seen Mud Honey there in 1998 for $6. Where But that's the type of venue First Avenue is, which, which when you watch uh, Purple Rain, uh, you know, there haven't been bands like that since the late 70s, early 80s playing there. Like, when, we, when I started going to Minneapolis a lot in the early 90s, we go to shows at First Avenue, and uh, First Avenue is all indie bands. It's college radio rock, you know? Like, to imagine Prince playing in a place like that seems strange. It would have to be the mid-70s. Right. But you he know? does still sometimes go there and play, doesn't he? Like, I don't think because so. he he's no, in he has his own club. He has his own club called Glam Slam. All right, so you went to Glam Slam. So let's I'm talk heard. about that because I've never been to Glam Slam. I've been to Minneapolis, but I haven't been to Glam Slam. I was in Glam Slam fuck twenty years ago, and it, it's great. It was this giant Prince built this huge club in downtown Minneapolis, and when we were there one night, um, the whole. 
the whole upper level was was a VIP area was closed off because Janet Jackson was in town doing a concert. So right. Prince would have like if celebrities come to town, they go hang with Prince at Glam Slam. And again, that goes back to Prince making his city cooler. That's how cool Prince is. He's like, if celebrities are in town, it's like wow, it's like New York, you know. And Prince made Minneapolis like New York. However, you just brought up a good point, and that's the Janet the ja- Penny Jackhammer. <laughs> Janet Jackson, who was produced by um, members of the time. So the the interesting thing is that Flight Time Studios, which opened up on the other side of Minneapolis, and they're from the time, that really became a real rivalry uh, between Prince and uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis because they produced Janet Jackson and they made a fortune. I mean, those guys are loaded and and they made so much money. And they're they're one of the only people that are a real threat to to Prince's uh, being Prince being the king of that whole funk scene. Is is, is Prince still getting threatening to, to like? Is he still being threatened today? Well, what I'm talking about is in the oh, movie. Okay. It's a it's a competition between right. Prince and the Time. Right. And but Prince a, was really behind the Time to be. A, yeah. yeah. At first, he created the band. All of the Time's albums are actually he Prince. wrote all their songs. It's produced. all him. Yeah. It's just Morris Day singing over top. But two of the members that were in the live band, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, they, le- he got, they got fired from the time by Prince. And then they set up shop across town. and They, they, they became huge producers Jackson, all over Human America. Human League, Janet Jackson, yeah. you name it. Like, just artist after art. Mar- Mariah Carey. Massive. Yeah. Now, what, okay, now, as someone, like, how would you, as, as, as a non Prince uh, fan. Because you and Scott are not really big fans. Well, yeah, how would you try to, what, what would be the first introduction that you would uh, give to us to get us on board the Prince wagon? Get the singles. There's a, there's a what button. a wagon it is. Like, <laughs> all frilly, it's all frilly. And red velvet. I get Gold the hits handy. volume one and two. It goes from 1979 to the early 90s. Is it's got a Prince version of uh, him doing "Nothing Compares to You," which yeah, he wrote, which was written by him. Really yeah. good version with black backup singers and Rosie Gaines. Mm. That's a duet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, uh, I well, actually, I would just say uh, watch "Purple Rain" because that's have, you've seen the movie. I've, I've seen the movie. You've I haven't seen, seen it in a long, long time. Just listen to the hits because you, you guys are you're a fan of hard rock, right? Guitar yeah. rock. Yeah, I, I mean, it, do I was you, a fan of Prince in, in the, back in the day, Doves Cry Era. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The songs speak for themselves. I say with Prince, like just listen to the music. You tell how how, how, uh, how powerful he was, and no one would tell him how stupid he looked on those motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> looked like a toy figure on like a giant, uh, like an evil, bike. like an evil Knievel bike that you yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you wind up like that. Like well, you got to remember, it was so striking when Prince really did burst into the public consciousness mainstream. He shows up. He's doing the Grammys, the American Music Awards. He's got this crazy fucking entourage of the of the revolution is banned. And they're all kind of dressed crazy like him. Sheila e. He's got this bodyguard that's 15 feet tall that looks like Hulk Hogan, but right. like if he ate Hulk Hogan big for breakfast. gray-haired guy, right? Yeah. yeah. And like that was a really striking uh, you know, thing to, to, to see. It really stuck with you. It was like, whoa, here's Prince and his massive entourage and you know, his weird little guy with his sparkly purple outfit. Because he's got a lot of glam rock about him, too. Yeah, I mean, like, people don't recognize that part. Yeah, the, the... Well, I, I think that he, him and Madonna both understood at the right time that you had to become visual. Rock and roll was no longer about M- MTV LPs. was new. MTV yeah. was and, new. And you had to do something, whether you had to, you had to freak people. You had to get, do something to make them notice you. And whether you're repulsed or attracted, he had a reaction because... 
some people were attracted. My, my first girlfriend loved him. That's another thing that got me into Prince. She was into Prince. So I was like, well, what is going on? What is this? But his sexuality wasn't this bravado, right? He was like not afraid of his own sexuality. Right. Which was or the feminine side of his sexuality. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like he wasn't afraid of looking sexy. You know, yeah. like a lot of men are like, you know, oh, I'm a big, tough guy or whatever. Like Prince was really in Locked tune. Blouse. Prince was in tune <laughs> yeah. with himself. Yeah. And he's a great basketball player. On top of all of that, he's actually a jock. I mean, and and similar to Woody Allen, they're both they're short squares. control they freaks, but they both are good basketball players. Is Woody Allen a good basketball player? Yeah, he's I, a muscular he guy. He, he's, Woody Allen. Yes, I'm telling you, like this guy, Woody yeah, Allen. Right. Well, that's a he's character. Like, that's like, uh, it's a character. Like, <laughs> no, that's but that's he's like groundskeeper Willie underneath. <laughs> Woody <laughs> Allen is one of Prince's favorite filmmakers. Tight. He's tight. He's tight like a toyka. <laughs> no, he he's a tougher guy. Woody Allen is a tougher guy than people think he he's is. He's a black belt. <laughs> no, well, I mean, he's, I've, he's a black man. Nobody knows it. <laughs> well, he, you know, he grew up on the streets of Brooklyn. He's not, he's not uh, afraid of people. You know, he's that's a, the timid guy is a character. Well, I, okay, and I right. think to okay. some exaggeration extent, of, a, of, a, of an aspect. Of I, that's all. I just know of him through his movies and, and his yeah. interviews. Well, so I think Prince is similar in the sense that the, uh, people have an image of Prince, but that may not exactly be who he is. You know, well, what stories yeah. about Prince on the Chappelle Show that uh, Charlie uh, Charlie Murphy, Murphy. Tell about going yeah. to Prince's house and playing basketball, and he's wearing the same one of those purple suits. Maybe that was just a fake part of it. <laughs> <laughs> He probably wasn't wearing the purple you know rain suit when they uh, did the basketball game. But well, well, I was checking out some YouTube clips, and there, there's a great photo of Prince and his old band, like, like it's uh, Revolution. Andre, no, just pre-Revolution. Andre Simone is playing bass, and if you look, Andre Simone, Andre Simone is standing up playing bass. He has his shirt off. Prince is like a little puny guy. But Andre Simone, like he looks like a sex god. Like he's got a wearing blue jeans like, with gold paint splattered on them, and he's playing bass, and he's got no shirt on, and he's got a little Prince, you know, skinny mustache and Jerry right. Cool hair. And on the other side of Prince is uh, Des Dickerson, his first guitarist, and he's got his shirt off, and he's there like this. And then Prince is in the middle, and he's soloing like crazy, but Prince is actually wearing his top. So you see this contextualized image of Prince with these guys that he came up with, yeah. and it's like. It has context. It's not like this image that everyone has of Prince is he's a little weird alien that came out of nowhere with no history. <laughs> and it's like, but no, he did. He, they came from the same Minneapolis 70s right. funk. And he wasn't even the most quintessential funkster. You know, he was just the guy who had the plan. <laughs> you know, well, who would you say the quintessential well, I think, funkster is? I think Andre Simone, Andre Simone, because <laughs> Andre Simone didn't have the ego. Like when Prince was a teenager, he, his, his home life was so rough, he went to live with Andre Simone and his parents. And Andre's dad was a musician like Prince, so they had instruments. So they all played together in these early bands, and, and they showed each other stuff and borrowed from each other. But Andre didn't have that. He went out solo as well. But he didn't have that ambition that Prince has to, like, you know... Prince is a good businessman. There's no yeah. I mean, he doesn't always score a home run. I mean, I saw Graffiti Bridge. So uh, what, was, what, what was that? That's you know? the sequel to Purple Rain. That oh. Graffiti he, Bridge was a movie, a, a movie that came out with a double album attached to it in 1990. It had a hit song, Thieves in the Temple. And it also featured this 12-year-old kid, Kevin Campbell. was the worst song on the album? I like Sorry, Thieves in the Temple. Well, I know, I like it too, but on the uh, it's actually a good album. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't mean... No, no, no. Prince I mean, because I, I was so disappointed in that movie because I heard the album first. And in my mind, I made a movie 
that would be Graffiti Bridge that was great right. in my mind. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so bad. He I was there when it was playing. Thieves in the Temple. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Love Come Quick. It's not one of his... Love on the album, there's tons of great songs. There's a, a duet with George Clinton. There's a Mavis Staples song. And this kid, Tevin Campbell. Tevin he's Campbell. like a 12-year-old pro- prodigy, prodigy that Prince had introduced in Graffiti Bridge. That was one of the highlights of the picture for like the media, what round was. Round Uh, this is Round and Round, round, and round by round. Tevin Campbell. Off Graffiti Prince. Bridge. Oh, okay. 1990. Sounds really good. Sounds like a funky little boy. It sounds Minneapolis still, though. You know, there's a sound there. Like, it feels yeah. like you're driving, you're listening to the radio driving through the Midwest. You know? Yeah. Well, what kind of women like Prince? Because you said the women. Hot women. What? Yeah, models. You can't say that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah supermodels. I used Prince. Well, listen, yeah, they do, but I'm, I'm yoga sure instructor. I'm sure there's not, some fat chicks not, out there that like Prince. Uh, Everybody, all women all love All women like Strippers love him. I, Congress I was women, just watching a clip of Pretty Astronauts. Woman. I think I could speak for every woman <laughs> in the world. But no. Yeah, women love Prince. I, I said it a few weeks ago. You go to a Prince concert, it's full of beautiful wi- women and beautiful women and... It's, beautiful men, too. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Tiger. How do you tell a guy to get over the... Uh, if, if, people, if guys feel intimidated... Uh, liking Prince uh, because of his like you know over the top feminine side. How do you tell guys to get over that and just enjoy the Prince? Just take, I think you got to focus on the music. Sorry, go ahead. Take some ecstasy and dance. Yeah, well, actually, he's, <laughs> and, and he's kind of anti-drugs, but uh, well, and he's a Jehovah's Witness. That, yeah, that, yeah. But that never comes into his music well, that, either. That, that's, from Larry, that's from Larry Graham from the from uh, Sly and the Family Stone. That's I in the song "No Transfusions." I think it's uh, <laughs> capsulizes I, his thoughts. And knock on the door. And, no, yeah, no, he has a lot of religious songs. <laughs> walking up, your, uh, walking up the steps to your house. Yeah, but no, Joe Larry Graham in. converted him to Jehovah Witness uh, about fifteen That's right. years ago. From uh, Larry Graham played bass in Sly and the Family Stone. Okay, yeah. And he had his own band called Graham Central Station, which is and interesting. He's Drake's uncle. It's, it's also a bit of trivia. One of Prince's first bands was called Grand Central. So right, right. I saw Graham Central Station, Larry Graham, open up for Prince in the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North Dakota. What if I only want half a Graham Central? Yeah. <laughs> a whole pound. Right? I, I was going to say, he's actually... Oh, you get the uh, shittier cut. Larry uh, Graham's also Drake's uncle. Drake's so uncle. So Drake was connected Canadian to Prince. Connection. Canadian connection. Canadian connection. So what about right this there. whole... Uh, I know about Prince's the conspiracy with the with the Warner Brothers or the record company. And he changed his name right. and all that, and he wrote "slave" on his face when he changed yeah. his name to the symbol. Right. Are then they, what was that about? No, tell me because uh, I know a little bit, but it was like a record uh, controversy, a space was issue. Locked into a contract. <laughs> he got locked into a contract. There was another that Prince that worked there, there. <laughs> and it was, yeah, and he felt like they were taking most of the profits from his work and he didn't own his work and record company lawyers will find ways even after you've signed an original contract to fuck with it and amend it and you know and prince was always about being completely independent and so he just doesn't want to have any be connected to any label so that's why he changed his name to the symbol 
Yeah. Well, they okay. were they were like, well, we own the name Prince, and he said, well, then my name's not Prince. It's this. Yeah, he outsmarted. Them. Like Muhammad Ali did, it changed his name. Uh, Muhammad Ali and him, it was sort of that kind of thing he was trying to do, a Malcolm X kind of thing. I'm going to change my name. I'm not going to let you own my name. His name is Prince Rogers Nelson. One day he was like, I don't know who Nelson is. I'm not the son of Nell. And he was like, I'm not going to let that be my name. And uh, so it's about, I, he's all about, I'm in charge. I'm the artist. I'm in charge. And I remember seeing him on the Arsenio Hall show, and he had that veil, that chain veil in front of his Ars face. Hall. I love that. That was from uh, uh, the, 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 my, my Name is Prince. You ever watched the Ars Hall show? The Ars Hall show? No. But what was when, what, he, when he's saying, my name is Prince, right? I my guess name so, yeah. is Prince, and I am funky. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I recognize that as a song. I don't remember him saying that on that show. But uh, what was with the uh, chain veil? What was what, what was the deal with that? Well, he he does change personas quite a lot, right? Like he's got more than he's got a character called Tora Tora. He's got yeah, a character that's named, like the Moroccan ninja look. He's it's got like a, Michael Jackson had that one for a while. He's got one named Camille, and that's always sung in a sped up higher voice, which he did a lot on Sign of the Times. There was going to be a whole album called Camille, where it sort of sounds like this because it's the tape is sped up. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is Camille, meal, meal, meal. Right, so this sounds more like the Lollipop Guild. <laughs> well, let me play you an example of that. Here we go. Um, I bought the Black Album in 1994, where Prince actually raps on it. He he he, he had this album recorded in 1989, and he didn't put it out till '94 because he just decided to drop it to do the Batman soundtrack. Shut up already! Damn. That's Camille. Tell me who in this house know about the quake. I mean, really? And really? You go to the end of the song. He just Is that Pussy Quake? Is that song called Pussy Quake? Yeah. Pussy Quake. Oh, yeah. Pussy Quake. Oh, yeah. Pussy Quake. 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 Shut up. Already. Damn. So that's how it would have been at regular speed. And then he did a whole lot, and still does it sometimes, where he speeds up the tape. And that's Camille. So he has a lot of different. I think he has possibly multiple personality disorder. Most true artists do. <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, tell him to slow down the tape. I'm a genius. <laughs> right. He's done that too. This is the jam of the year. Um, at the beginning of 1999, right? Uh, Don't worry. Right. I won't hurt you. Well, now what? Now Prince did the Super Bowl once, didn't he? Yeah. Did the whole Super Bowl? <laughs> I knew he was sexually active. <laughs> they had to play around him. <laughs> they, now what? Now like, does that did that bother any Prince fans? Because like, it's like you know, like if Bob, if Bob Dylan did the Super Bowl, people would be like, oh hey man, he shouldn't be. But it's like, but Prince has never been that. Like, Prince I fans missed, don't give a I'm, fuck about that. They, they I'm Mr. Prince. Integrity. They want to see Prince no matter what. A separate thing. I guess. Yeah. You know. When you played a Bob Dylan song, interestingly, because you mentioned Bob Dylan, he sang all along the watch at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. okay. Well, tie-ins. There you go. The uh, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, did that? You know, when people are like, I, I can't sort of believe my, me. Even it, though I don't think there's a, a much of no, because Prince always had a superficiality and a glamness to him. Like he's from the '80s, like Madonna. Like if Madonna did the Super Bowl, do you think people go, "She's sacrificing her integrity"? Right. Yeah. No. I don't. Well, she has done the Super Bowl. She's done a lot of shit to so quote quote sacrifice her integrity. But what did that? Book it's one of the pinnacles, one of the biggest TV music appearances ever. So I mean, that tends at his level. But I guess they could say. Prince fans would go, why is he dumbing himself down to play a football game? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, that's say. what I'm talking that's about. That's what I, yeah, Opposite. I'm one of the people that was sort of upset about I don't think he he's it. dumbing himself, I think his, his music's supposed to be dumb and fun and poppy and funky. Yeah. And 
But, but yeah. not always, right? Sometimes there's a serious sign, uh, of the times. sign of the times. But does he call himself a pop artist? Like I'm. I think he calls himself a musician. Okay. Because I think that's the thing. If if people don't understand Prince, it's usually they don't understand the image. But if you can get people to talk about the musicianship, that's when you. It's hard to find a musician that thinks that he's a bad musician. Like you, I don't know a musician that would say that Prince is a bad musician. Unless they were the shittiest musician in the world. Well, not only is he technically proficient, but he's one of the best songwriters of our entire great generation. Great songwriter, so. great singer. But I heard he's one of the best guitarists, too. Like one of the yeah. people Probably, don't realize how good a guitarist think, he is. I think Watch the, the solo from uh, Let's Go Crazy right. Live at the Grammys or whatever it was. You remember that? Well, you know, there, there's no. this... Uh, the. But what, no, what, do, what do you want to talk about the Kevin Smith conspiracy? Not conspiracy, well, just, because so I've heard... We, do, we just talked about guitars. I want to get to Kevin Smith, but... Uh, yeah, There's a guitar solo guitar. that he does while my guitar gently weeps with Jeff Lynn and Tom Petty. Uh, people call this the greatest guitar solo of all time, originally done by Eric Clapton, of course. Um, but uh, when he comes in on this, it's just unbelievable. And, and you know, these are some of the best musicians in the world. And they're like, who can, who can do this? Where is he? Uh, no, he comes up later. He comes walking in and tick-tack, he comes tick-tack. walking in and he steals the focus. I mean, these and these guys are genius. <laughs> he comes down from wires in the Floats ceiling. In the, uh, I mean, Jeff. Lynn. That's, that's why he was never good at improv. He'd always steal the focus. And, and uh, well, you'll, you'll have to send this to me. He's on fire. Find there's a pretentiousness with his music that never you don't that, that never turns you off because you no, feel no. you feel like a gifted guy can be as arrogant so as he wants. Put, there's so much effort put into everything Prince is doing that you can't. How can you second guess any of it? Like when I, you, oh, well, when you see someone who knows what they're doing so well. They're so self-aware. They're so good at what they're doing. They understand their craft so well. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just saw this clip of uh, Jimi Hendrix on the Dick Cavett show and. Dick Cavett says, Tim, you know, you're, I'm sitting beside one of the greatest guitar players in the world. And, and Hendrix, you know, is just like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm just the greatest guitar player just sitting right here. And it was just, it was so yeah, humble Hendrix and so refreshing. He's humble, yeah. But, and it just, it doesn't... Uh, it does become the Prince show all of a sudden. Prince isn't humble. So we're watching, this is the, is this the Beatles, uh, or is this, this the Grammys? Rock and roll uh, induction of George Harrison into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He wasn't a lot. He died at this point, right? Yeah. Oh, this okay. Is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So they, and they, I guess they couldn't get Eric Clapton, uh, who would normally do this, I guess. And they were like, "Who's, who's the person that could do it?" And they were like, Prince. "Well, I'm sure a lot of people could do it, but, but it's, who's it's the a, right person?" It's Roy bigger... Clark should have did it. <laughs> well, because Buck my other favorite musician is George Harrison. So to hear him playing George Harrison, it's just like I saw Prince play "Come Together" once live. And that fucking blew me away because I'm a huge Beatles fan. I was like, that, that's it. I can die now. I've seen him play Come Together. What's the point now? Prince used to live on the, <laughs> Prince used to live on the bridal path for a few years. Yeah, he know? did. I used to drive by his house. I saw him. He was cruising down Queen Street. And was he out mowing the lawn shirtless? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With a cigarette dangling around no, his mouth? He had a James Bond hey, BMW, Sean. and he was cruising down Queen Street once, Queen Street West. Well, now what? Uh, now what, what was the uh, what was the deal with him living in Toronto? Oh, he married a he married a girl from York University who was one of his fans. Is actually. he still with her? No, no. Okay, he no. doesn't live here anymore. He, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't live here. Anymore. She ended up in that bombing in India. 
Isn't that weird? It's just well, a weird well, thing. Like, she, this woman like, from York. You princess know. Powers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did he have kids? That's Charles Manson. No, he doesn't have kids. Oh. <laughs> but uh, he wouldn't throw any rocks in the schoolyard, I bet. There you go, Prince. Yeah, he's a stellar virtuosic guitar player. They just walks off. As well as a flawless pop songwriter genius. and a funker and a genius and a ranger. Um, and, and Purple Rain, and speaking of Jimi Hendrix, Purple Rain I had heard was a uh, but you hear what I'm saying? homage to, to Purple Haze. Oh, okay. That's cool. But I mean, but just I, I, I always just admired like Hendrix's uh, you know humble side of them, just like, and then but but you does the the pretentiousness of him? I don't. Not pretentious. Pretentious. Is, He's not humble. Yeah. Definitely not humble. Yeah, but I don't think it's pretension. It's not pretense. That's who Prince is. Self-assured. Yeah. One time I went to a Prince concert, and one of the people I went with was a, a woman who was studying to be a psychologist, and she was so mad. Because he wouldn't come out for his encore unless we cheered loud enough, right? <laughs> and so the guys, the band members came out like, come on, louder. He won't come out if you, you have to be louder, right? And she was, her <laughs> arms were crossed. She was like, this is so, he's so self-centered. He is so egotistical. And it's like, that doesn't it's bother me. Did it have one of those meters on the side of the stage <laughs> to tell you how loud you are? And, uh, and, 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 like, and, and it's the kind Prince of guy, up at the he, top. he will not come out. If he's in a good mood and he feels like the audience appreciates him, he will play till three in the morning, and I've seen it happen. And but if he doesn't like the audience, he'll come out, he'll do one encore, and he'll leave. Oh well, if he feels the audience isn't really appreciating you know, him, gets on his big wheels. Did you like? Did you? Uh, you, you, you saw, saw him live? when he was here. I've seen him seven times. Oh, okay. Uh, how I, old were the? How old were you when the first time you saw him? The first time I saw him was Love Sexy Tour. Uh, was at the Maple Leaf Gardens. 88? Uh, yeah, uh, the one with Alphabet Street. 88. 88 at the Maple Leaf Gardens. Wow. That's the first time I saw him. When did you first see him? I only saw him once. I saw oh, him really? uh, in, in Fargo, at the Fargo Dome. Wow. 1998. What, al- what album was he... Uh, it was called The Jam of the Year. It was like a great... Oh, yeah, Emancipation. Thing. Yeah, okay. I saw that tour. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it down at the uh, warehouse. Was he here. with Larry Graham? I don't think Larry Graham was there, but it was he did a he did a charity show down at the warehouse. What was, what was great about that show in, in Fargo is he flew in his helicopter from Minneapolis to Fargo, like it's just right next door. Right? Oh, cool! Yeah, he just flew over on his own and he flies a helicopter. Apparently, really? I think so. He That's flies a helicopter, that or or he was flown in a helicopter. By oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a big difference. But something tells you, but something I'm a pilot. Well, I had a ticket for a plane. Something tells you the first time he might have a helicopter license. I would be surprised. I mean, you never, Maybe he just got one and he just doesn't use it. Can he reach the pedals? Oh, yeah. okay. Oh. He's a highly intelligent guy. Here's my, here's my question. Do you think that uh, uh, the fact that he's religious is part of how why his music is so great? Uh, no. No? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. No. Really? I think there's an argument for Maybe it. Maybe he can tap into a, a spiritual feeling in himself that makes him... Creative juices flow, perhaps. I don't know. That's but, what I think it is because he's sworn off all the dirty lyrics and stuff. See, the the the, the what made him a great. So he has to try harder. To be a dirty lyric guy, like yeah. oh, he's filthy. Fucker. No, he's a filthy. Yeah, he's like, he used to be, but Larry Graham was, talked him out of using since like dirty euphemistically, like since hip hop. Yeah, no, not euphemistically. Baby, you draft too fast. He had a song called mm-hmm. Head. He had a song yeah. called Head on a Dirty oh. Mind in 1980 <laughs> about getting head. Okay. He, he had uh, he in Nicky Nick Charlie Nicky was on the top fifteen or whatever the filthy fifteen. Yeah, there you go. 
That's a classic. Okay. Beginning of the Prince Funk. This sound. is the one that he recorded as a demo, and they were like, "No, just release Raw this." Funk. And it's on one of like uh, Rolling Stones' most in- hundred most influential albums of all time. Dirty Mind. But you know, Prince had that. Darling Nikki was, uh, you know, the PMRC had that on their list. They had a list of so many songs that were, you know, directly destroying yeah. children's minds. He won't play Darling Nikki now. Well, no, no, no yeah, that, I remember that too. Is a, a, now what's the song that has the woman waiting, uh, masturbating to the magazine? Masturbating oh, to the magazine. Nikki. Yeah. Yeah, you won't do that one anymore. I got lucky because he did no, on that no. Jam of the Year tour. In fact, he teased, kept teasing it up on the piano, and he played a beginning few, and people go crazy. Oh, and you got to speak into it. He, he tees it up on the piano and people go crazy and he'd stop and he'd pull away from the piano. This reminds, I got to show this uh, clip of Chris Rock because Chris Rock ta- is interviewing Prince about Michael Jackson. Okay. And he said it's odd because in the 80s, this isn't how Chris Rock said it, but he was pointing out how in the 80s Michael Jackson was like Disney. Everyone loved the right. family entertainment, but Prince was considered bad and evil. And now it's sort of different. It's flipped around. And now everyone's like, Michael Jackson was a weirdo. Yeah. And Prince is sort of seen as this legend now. New I girl named Nikki, I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. That's the and one line. And I get this image in my head. <laughs> See, that's just good storytelling. I don't know why churches are so against masturbating, especially for women. It's well, not like, like said, they're not spilling a seed. This is a church service, so this is like the center of the album where he confesses his dirty sins. Right there, there's a, uh, he has to let out his egos, right? Before he gets to the Purple Rain part, the Amen. But you got to understand, in the 80s, there was American, practically, a, with, uh, Frank Zappa called it a fascist theocracy. Yeah. And so... The, that's why heavy metal is cartoonish as heavy metal videos seem now. We were like, when I was year 14 years old, like, you know, everything was so fucking conservative that, you know, Rodney D. James Dio singing about we're off to the witch and we may never, never, never come home. You're a Catholic, that's terrifying. So, if you're also like. Is that nobody, terrifying to you, Scott? He's also a small man. No, but, but somebody else is singing about masturbating. Like, the Catholic Church would not even deny that, that exists. So, right. Even though he's talking about it in a very educational way, like you're saying. Well, I don't know if that's educational. Of the church, you can't like, take yeah. the song out of context. It's a, a conceptual album. Right. And that's, that's part of, of him letting out his. I think he's a guy that let out his sexual frustration and energy, and he's become a much more peaceful, almost Yoda like figure as He's put older. that aside. Because he's let it out. Aside from marrying college with, girls. With Michael Jackson, it was always keep it in the closet and things like that. He was holding it in. Yeah. And it would come out in these weird, bah! you know, yeah, <laughs> these yeah. weird bursts. Shamal! Prince was like, let's Shamal. just talk Shamal. about it. I'm. She's jerking off. I'm jerking off. My guitar is my cock. Yeah. That's what the end of Purple... <laughs> well, at the end of Purple Rain, <laughs> he picks up his guitar and he pretends yeah, he's jerking true. off and then all of this water comes out th- and he sprays it on Hendrix, everyone. Hendrix did that what too, What do you though? think a guitar solo is? It's like wanking, right? That's where that comes this is from. Chris Rock. It is kind of doing that. So what do we... Okay, yeah, pause it. What are we watching? This is uh, Chris Rock interviewing Prince. A- apparently Michael Prince Jackson. was supposed to be in the bad video and have the Wesley Snipes role. All right, oh, really? Yeah. Oh. There was what, never like any rivalry between you and Mr. Jackson? Oh, not to me, no. That's, okay. So I love the story of you, you know, there's all these prints. I'm sorry. That, well, that's the guy you used to be. Mm-hmm. There's the story of you turning down bad. Well, <laughs> you know, that Wesley Snipes character, right. that, that would have been me. <laughs> all right, now you, <laughs> now you run that video in your mind. 
The first line of that song is your butt is mine. Your butt is mine. Now I said, who's going to sing that to whom? Because you sure ain't singing it to me. And I sure ain't singing it to you. So right there we got, you know, right there we got a problem. It's so weird now. You were made out to be this weird cat. And he was like Mr. Disney and you're married. Chilling. He's just married. You're like a married man. Well, you know. Play it. You know, there again, you know, hopefully the press will get to the point where we'll just all just... It'll be a law where you have to tell the truth. It won't be about speculation. Um, um, I, you know, I'm a musician. I I live for that. I live for playing and, and, and creating he songs. He comes across really cool here. Well, Prince yeah, is cool. cool. Guy, even I don't know if I've seen a lot of interviews, actually. i got to say, mostly his music and videos, not, not a sit-down interview. Well, well, like, it, well, and also, so many of his interviews, he always seems very, like, held back, very sort of guarded. It's, it's a, like, a, a mysterious. I met a reporter who uh, met him once, and interviewed him. And what he told me was that Prince understands that there's this p- mysterious persona, and that he has to play that part to some extent. But it's not actually who he is. He's, it's a mythology, yeah. Yeah. Could that be considered homophobic, though? He's like, I'm not going to get a guy saying your butt is mine to me. Yeah, I, I think it's a rage there. All right, politically correct, Scott. Yeah, that's right. All of a sudden. <laughs> No, well, that's just a question. It's like I was like, oh, I don't think he means it like that. I think he means it. I think it means it more like just keeping his integrity. You know, like I don't yeah, know. yeah. I always think of Prince as a high voice too. He has actually a deep voice. He has a deep voice. Yeah, he's a. Little, it's almost like a. That's such a weak white. line. That's such a, because of the word but. Yeah. Well, Your butt just, is mine. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of you, Michael Jackson. You're not bad at all. What's what I'm saying? Just it would seem like a harmless thing. Well, well you know that, but I mean, it, it does seem like a, a weird thing. To, or I, well, I, Janet Jackson was I get where he's at, coming from. Janet Jackson was upset at Michael Jackson because in their duet, Scream, he had her vocals turned down in the mix. Oh. And when you listen to the song, it's weird. Her voice, is, and she's not a great singer. So, but he took her voice down, and she was mad about that. So wow. at Prince was right. I mean, that would be two egomaniacs clashing. For sure, Michael Jackson at that time would have won that battle. I think he knew it's just not good to go in his arena and be number two. Yeah. You know? You pick your battles and Prince. Because this is the thing. I think Michael Jackson, everyone's like, Michael Jackson is the greatest entertainer of all time, blah, blah, blah. I like Michael Jackson's art, but. It's a lot of Prince. No, but even his entertainment. Michael Jackson's entertainment is a lot of like Disney choreography. Prince is dancing on stage. That's all in the moment. Prince doesn't have fucking choreography. He's the real talent. People don't understand that he's the the more talented. Oh, way more talented. Michael Jackson is like the came from the Osmonds, basically the Jackson Five, the black version of the Osmonds. Yeah, that's what they. Well, that's what Joe Jackson always wanted them to be. Yeah. So what is them on the on the Osmonds? And what about this? uh, Is it a, a? the thing I've heard about him that he writes a song every day, like at least one song. Yeah, yeah. And you were talking earlier about and he has the, a vault of. Does uh, he have, yeah, he does. Yeah, have I, I heard that. Now, now, we you wanted to explore this the uh, whole uh, Kevin Smith phenomenon. Oh, that did a film, right? It's kind of a long thing. So he had him do a. Oh, just tell us. What just the, a quick the, aside. There's a reason that he has all these vaults of music. It's because he he loves to get. He has to get enough music for a whole album. Right. He just gets a collection of songs, but it's not quite enough to make an album that go together. Yeah, he puts them in the together. vault till he has enough to go together. The, the albums kind of form themselves. I can play you one of the, the vault songs later. Because there have been albums released. Okay, okay do we, can we pause this thing, the Kevin Smith thing? We just, 
You need to tell us about it because I, I, all I know is that yeah. supposedly Kevin Smith uh, edited a, a video or two, or he was editing a movie and he ran into like someone else who was editing something and, he, and it was a Prince video, and Kevin Smith had never seen it before and this guy just said, yeah, Prince has this whole collection of like finished, polished, and produced songs and he's made videos for them, but he's not releasing them. Is this something that like? Well, Kevin Smith directed some of those things, right? right? But so is Prince going to release those at some point? Like, I why? have no idea. Have is no it idea. something that he wants to? Is he the kind of artist that would like be like, okay, like ten years after my death, and then you can release them? Yeah, and he there's, wants to like to keep his he's name. He's already building a museum in Minneapolis. What I think is for himself. For himself. But it's incredibly cool about that. Well, there's nothing pretentious about that. No, but what's but it's not Prince Museum. He's <laughs> pretending he is great. But what's you incredible? Know? It has what's... dinosaurs in it. Nothing about Prince. Nothing's worse than when I, when I used to. It's just the Fonzie jacket. I would teach musical improv, and you get some uh, person who had no talent, and they'd be acting like a diva, and it would be like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, the... that's pretense. This is that's pretense. This guy has the chops to back it up. Well, that doesn't mean that you need to just flaunt it out, flaunt it out, and you need you know, to find another word shake to describe your his phoniness, Dave. Okay, all right. I'll get I'll get a thesaurus before the next episode. Or his egomania. But I'll tell you who didn't like him is Rick James hated Prince. Now, why is that? Um, I think it's because Prince stole his thunder and his blow. And he used to open, he used to he open for Rick James, and Rick James hated him, and he, he hated. Purple he opened Rain. up uh, on the uh, on the 1999 tour. They opened up for Rick James. Yeah, and then. Prince overtook Rick James and basically took by light years what, what what Rick James thought was his idea, which is mixing punk and funk. He called it then. Uh, he thinks that's Prince stole that idea. Well, Rick James had a similar look for a long time. Rick James was the freakiest motherfucker around, right? super freaky. And and then all of a sudden there was an He's even freakier motherfucker freaky. who was bringing the funk, and that was Little Prince. Well, they have kind of similar looks. The the, the, the leather suits and the. The kind of uh, Prince definitely, bad boy. He definitely yeah. borrowed from Rick James. For sure. This is something that this is from an album that's a vault album. So this is an example of something that he wouldn't release. And so how did how did you get it? Well, they Warner Brothers <laughs> in the contract killed all the rich people. They started releasing stuff out of his vaults. And so this is from an album that's all vault material. Oh, okay. But how can they do that? They're his vaults. Right? Well, he said, he said you can finish my contract by taking stuff out of my vaults. I'm not he's recording throwing, anything he's new. He's throwing junk. That's like a picture throwing junk. But it's just, not junk, though. Look no, no, I'm just saying, is. like, he's not. He's got a lot of junk to give them. Not yeah. junk, but like a major league baseball player throws junk, you know? Yeah. Like, just like, here, you can have this. I'll save this. I got lots of good stuff. He okay. just wouldn't. Do you want to go to that Kevin Smith clip? So that, this, what, the only what, problem with the clip is it's very long, so I don't know. But basically, Kevin Smith. Just real quick, I, uh, you haven't touched on it at all, and I don't know how many people really know about it. I know uh, in the middle of June you were uh, up in Minneapolis filming a documentary for Prince. Mm -hmm. that, as far as I've heard, as far as I've heard, it's never even going to see the light of day. And I just mm -hmm. wanted to know if you'd you know shed a little light on that. Um, we were trying to get a Prince song for, for Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back for the scene where uh, Channel Elizabeth's character comes into the movie's restaurant. We were trying to get Prince as the most beautiful girl in the world, <laughs> but we couldn't get any response back from him. And then one day I got a call at the office and they said, uh, Prince's office called, they want to speak to you. And I said, holy shit, fucking, is royal badness? Because I'm a Prince fan. So I said, I'm going to call him back, you know, because I get a little starstruck sometimes. Um, so I call him up. Yeah. Sit by the phone. And they answer, and uh, they're Waiting like, uh, yeah, Prince isn't available right now, but he does want to speak to you, so uh, sit by the phone, and we'll call you back. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. 
ring. Um, and I wait and I wait and I wait. And about 15, 20 minutes later, somebody calls. And they're like, uh, is Kevin there? I said, does he? I'm like, Kevin, hi, I'm calling from Prince's office. Prince is going to be calling you in 25 minutes. I said, awesome, all right, bye. <laughs> 25 minutes later, fucking phone rings again. Kevin there, I said, this is Kevin. Uh, this is Trevor in Prince's office. Uh, Prince will be calling you in 19 minutes. And I said, this is genius. Because, like, it sounds like they have shit well-scheduled, 19 minutes, but then again, this is the third time he called. So I said, hey, man, just a question. Like, when I talk to the guy, can I... What do you call him, Prince? What do, you, do I call him, artist? What do you, you know, what do you call him, Jack? And he said he's back to Prince. You can call him Prince. I said, oh, awesome. So uh, I sit around, I get another phone call, and they're like, Prince wants to call you tonight at your home. Can we have your home phone number? I said, oh, God, yeah. So I give him the home phone number. And I go home, and I'm like, Prince is calling. Everybody, get away from the phone, you know? Prince is going to be calling. And the kid wants to play. I'm like, go away. Prince is calling. So I wait and wait, and then the phone rings, and then uh, I get the, it's Trevor again, and he's just like, Prince is going to be calling in five minutes. I was like, I'm so ready for this call. <laughs> phone rings again, and I hear his fucking voice, and he's just like, Kevin. And I said, Prince? Because <laughs> that's his name. And, um, and he said, uh, how you doing? I said, I'm excellent. How are you? He said, very good, very good. I said, look, I just want to tell you, I'm a huge fan. And he goes, likewise. I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah, particularly Dogma. And he's like, uh, would you like to do something together? And I said, yeah, what do you want to do? Because I'm thinking like he wants to do a musical. <laughs> but it's, it's not the musical that he wants to do necessarily. He starts talking um, about dogma. And he's just like, I, I really enjoyed dogma. I thought it was incredible. I thought the message was, was great. And, and it went on at great lengths about it. And I'm sitting there listening to him talk about it. And it's starting not to sound like the movie I made. Like a little bit, like he's got like the character names down and shit. But then there's things that he's talking about that I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't say that in the movie, did I? You know, like, hold on, I'm going to rewind the movie. So this is And he starts talking more and more um, about spirituality, religion, faith. And it becomes very apparent over the course of a half hour that Prince is way into Jesus. Like, really into Jesus. And if you've listened to his music, you know, he's always had one foot in the corporal, one foot in the spiritual. You know, he sings about darling Nikki, but he also sings about God. But it felt like the pendulum swung far away from Nookie. <laughs> right into the Son of God. And because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talk, thinking I could talk smack to this dude. But he doesn't want to hear from language. Like at one point he says to me, um, I'll put you an example, he says. Because he's sitting there ministering to me at a certain point. I'm like, holy shit, this dude's preaching. Become Bill but I'm not going to say anything. It's Prince. <laughs> so he's like, I'll give you an example. He's going, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you got make movies with cursing in them. I said, it's so yeah. funny that he's like this because he was so filthy. Purple Rain, even. That's my issue. I want him to be filthy still a little bit. Yeah. What, what, you, you, does that, is that the old Prince that... Yeah, he yeah, doesn't. Like, do... I want dirty little filthy funk prints. He yeah. still sings about sex, but it, he doesn't swear. Yeah, but in a way that Sting sings about sex. <laughs> you know, like... Has he reached the Sting it's like, stage? It's, like of his... adult, it's adult contemporary Prince. You know, he's making some elevator music now. Acoustic um, I, 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 so okay, so basically, what, what's the gist of him? So what? What's the rest of the uh, the, the clip? So that he he ends up. What I think ha ends up happening is he ends up directing a whole album of videos. And at one point, he's got a whole audience of people there 
waiting to be shot in this video, and they can't find prints. And so hours go by. And this is typical. Anyone who's ever dealt with prints knows you sit around and wait, even for him to start a show. And eventually he went upstairs. Like four hours go by. This audience is sitting there. He finally goes upstairs. Prince is on the computer. The stuff never got released. The whole experience was just bizarre. Prince is kind of a flake, is what you're saying. Well, as well as but at the genius. same time, you can see that the guy really deeply admires Prince. At the same time, but yeah. just confused by his actions. Yeah. Um, because I think when Prince makes the most sense is when he's playing music, right? Right. Well, so so there is that. There's truth to what about the. The hidden sort of gems of prints that'll get released at some point. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I mean, there's so much stuff. But you know what's brilliant about that? I don't even think he's looking at it in terms of music industry. Like one day this will be released on this date. I think he's just as an artist trying to be as prolific as possible because you know you only have one chance to leave something behind. Right. Yeah. 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 And no, he's going to leave as much as he can. I, I just I'm just setting up a newer song. It's good having Electric John here, but the problem is no one's bringing us beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's the beer guy? Uh, well, I, mean, I guess they're okay, let me play a new front. Prince okay. song while we get beers. Prince will probably like to get so much fun Dreaming of each other on each other's tongue This is called Prince Is this a Bugle undone. Boy song? Prince Body Logic. This is Third Eye Girl. Sounds like a Gatorade ad. Yeah, quench your thirst. It gets hot. In the summer, it's hot. Gatorade, purple rain. Purple this Gatorade. Summer, this summer, it's going to get thirsty. Yeah, at the Minnesota right. State Fair. The song is um, four naked women washing a car with giant soapy sponges. Yeah. Well, that band is the band is Prince called me work on this. I like the song the first time when it was called Def Leppard. The band is three hot women and Prince. It's four four members. It's three hot girls. Prince did that too, though. He did that like Sly and the Family Stone. He had old men and women he played with, and and different races. He liked an interracial band as well. Yeah. Yeah. What was the what was the deal with the doctor guy playing the keyboard? Doctor Think. Well, what was his? Did each band member have their own character? and That comes yeah. from Parliament. That comes from P-Funk and George Clinton. And yeah, George Clinton. Who was it? You told me that George Clinton used to live in Toronto. Boots. Yeah, on Parliament. On, on Parliament Street. And that's, where, that's where he got yeah, the, he did. That's where he got the yeah. Parliament Funkadelic from? No, he was in a group called the Parliaments. He was in a, an R&B Parliament group. Well, no, before that, he was, they were called the Parliaments. They were Parliament like Funkadelic. A, no, 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 no. Okay. Way cooler than Parliament. <laughs> Parliaments were like, an R, like a barbershop R&B group. Was a barbershop quartet? Like a cappella. From Graffiti Bridge, actually. So you can say the word just change it instead of fuck. Put it funk. I'm not swearing now. I know. One time I was playing this song and my mother was like, this is very rude right now. Like, it's saying funk, okay? Remember it's Extreme funk. 2? Get yeah. it. He's, he's going to funk you in the get butt. The, get the, funk, get the out. funk out of my way. <laughs> funk you in the butt. Funked in the butt is actually a, a, a soul party my friend's DJ in Golden BC. It's called Funked in the Butt. And they play funk and soul records. 45s. They sell a lot of t-shirts and hats. I swear. Yeah. Where's the butt come from? Part come from? Well, just fucked in the butt. But they, have play, you know, they call it funked in the butt. Well, that's... If you're in Golden, go to a funked in the butt. Are there tickets? No, it's just like 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Write that song, Funk in the Butt. 
Boogie in the Butt by Bo- Eddie Murphy. Boogie in the Butt. That's a, a, that is a weird song, Boogie in the Butt. That in in is that off the same record as uh, Party All the Time? Uh, no, no, no. I think that's before Party All the Time. Produced by Rick James? Funk in the Butt. Rick James produced Party All the Time. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Prince and Eddie Murphy uh, uh, were friends, and Delirious was named after the Prince song Delirious. Well, yeah, well he uses that song, right? Does he use the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, as the show's beginning to come in, the cameras are, I think he plays a, I get delirious. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Delirious is a great song. <laughs> Do, that, this is the t- Gig- Gigolos Get Lonely, too. Is that the time? You got it. That's, this is a this is a great song. I got I know Prince what was that. that? Is... What was the song they played in Purple Rain at the time? That was uh, Jungle, Jungle Love. Oh we oh we. That that song was oh. huge. The giant mirror really made it. Have, have you guys ever been to Vegas and seen the Prince and the Time um, acts that the tribute the, the tribute act? No. The Time comes out. I was amazed because the Time was playing a song so ex- obscure. Even I didn't have it. I was like, wow, these guys are serious, man. Yeah. They are serious fans of the Time. They're not just playing the hits. Yeah, yeah. And that's funny because in the Kevin Smith movie, Jay and Silent Bob, Bob Strike Back, right. Morris Day and the Time show up at the end, right? Yeah. Well, they, they also do the, they, they're dancing to uh, Jungle Love. And, is it Clerks, the original Clerks? Do we, one, of, one of those pictures. Do you want to pause and get a beer? And then we should wrap up. Okay. Okay. Oh. All the fireworks and everything. He's, he's a blues man. He's a traditional American blues man. But he also comes from jazz. Like, but yeah. if, have you seen this inside? You've seen Sign of the Times, the concert movie. Yes, I have. Yeah. There's one part where he just goes "Bam!" and the band kicks in, and he goes "A Train," and they start "Dana." It's like he's conducting yeah. the band. Like, yeah. He's Count Basie. He's like or, Duke Ellington. Or and when James Brown mixed, yeah. right? Like, well, you know. James Brown is the big influence. Yeah. Yeah. Hendrix and James Brown. Hendrix, Charlie Chaplin, James Brown. Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. For some reason, I don't get that one. When Prince was a teenager, he used to write letters to Joni Mitchell with, like, the little U's and the fours. And, you know, he's already doing that kind of, like, drawing flowery shit. Right. Some dick pics. I don't get the Joni Mitchell (laughs) influence. That's the part I don't get. I like those influences that aren't obvious, though. Well, I think it's because he's from Minneapolis and he listened to Canadian radio. A lot of Canadian I know she was big in the States, too. No, but but in the 60s and 70s, late 60s, early 70s, if you were in Minneapolis, you would be getting a lot of Canadian culture like that. Right. So they're practically Canadian. In the 60s, there was six trains a day or ten trains a day going (laughs) between Winnipeg and Minneapolis. Right. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I can agree on this. Passenger trains. Prince wrote a lot of uh, blanket songs for strippers. (laughs) Yeah. I lost my virginity to Prince songs. I lost my virginity to uh, Pink Floyd The Wall. I lost on Jeopardy. uh, To uh, Dark Side of the Moon. I Dark lost my virginity to Yakety Socks from Penny Hill. Hey, it must have been satisfingly hey, hilarious. Back of the head too. Yeah, <laughs> just smacked an old man on the forehead. A lot of sped up chasing around. Was wearing an ill-fitting sailor suit. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. One time, Prince was on the View, and he surprised them. And Barbara Walters didn't know what to say, so she said, uh, "She goes, we just had Justin Bieber on, and he says." That you're one of his favorites, and that he would like to be like you. And Prince was like, "Well, I hope he picks up an instrument and learns how to play it." Justin Bieber, nice, amazing. Burned by Prince. Yeah. Well, good. That's a serious burn. Yeah. Purple pain. <laughs> um, so, what are your, some of your Prince memories, Scott? My Prince memories. 
I just remember watching the Purple Rain. I think it was like a lot. There was some nudity in that, I believe, wasn't there? Apollonia. Yeah. So I remember I fell in love with that uh, part of it. Hot I, Prince girls. There's a oh, lot yeah. of hot Prince oh, girls. Yes. He, oh, one thing I learned Man, about yeah, Prince. Was there a keyboard Apollonia. player? Apollonia. Pretty hot. Um, there was player. Wendy and Lisa. Yeah. They're Van- lesbians. Vanity. And vanity. Vanity. Vanity was really hot. Well, he said one time he I read that um, he discovered porno magazines when he was really young. And that had such an impact on him. And that's why so much of what he does has that sort of erotic, almost porno-like. Naughty. Because uh, I remember Sticky when I first pages. saw the 1999 video, and there was this, this hot blonde that was playing the keyboard, and she was scantily dressed. And I was like, it's... It's like he put a porn star in his video. And it's funny how that's so common. There's an interview now. with one well, of those. It's, it's, not, a, it's a crazy commonplace, but I know that like when Lenny Kravitz did that for uh, the drummer for Are You Gonna Go My Way, it was the chick with the, the huge pink, afro. Pink, pink afro. Yeah. People went nuts for her. Yeah, she was uh, awesome. Robert, Robert yeah. Palmer. The, oh, yeah, yeah. With the, but yeah, but they never really played. Remember what? when he was just, addicted? <laughs> remember back when he was I thought they were talented talented musicians. Yeah. Have you seen Prince and Lenny Kravitz singing uh, American? No, you haven't because they're the same person. American woman? But, you know, there's a, there's a, one of the women was interviewed who was doing one of his original acts, and she said, yeah, one day someone came up to you and says, she gave, gave her basically like a bra and some lingerie and said, Prince wants you to wear this, you're fired. You know, and so she kind of got on board, like, oh, yeah, this is what we're going for here, right? But it was sort of like early on, he knew what he wanted. You have to, to simulate that. head to yeah. Prince for the song Head was another thing that he made the girls do. Yeah. So they would have to sit, and they do it in Purple Rain, where oh, she right. has to put her mouth near the guitar, and he's pretending that he's putting his cock in her mouth. Yeah, which is kind of oppressive, if you think about it. Yeah, well, yeah, well this is, is a pimp. But then, you know, what you want from your rock stars, isn't it? You want them to do the shit that you don't want to do, right. that you can't do. You want to do it. After a guitar solo or a drum solo, he helps her across the street. You know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he, I'm gonna pay this lady. But women friend. love him. You gotta pay for a university. Yeah. yeah, this is Prince and Lenny Kravitz singing the Canadian classic "American Woman." Wow. Hey, and you know what? I just became friends with uh, Burton Cummings on Facebook. Wow. And he immediately asked me to like his Facebook fan page. What an asshole. Well, wait till his birthday and he gets a standard Dave. Hey, here it's your birthday. Yeah, my generic response. Hey there, I hear it's your birthday. Cheers to you and all the best. I think that's next, next I said that to everybody. Just, yeah, next, he's, he's going to be asking if you have any blow. <laughs> Burton Cummings? Yeah. You know where to get some. Hey, Dave. Uh... It's funny that women <laughs> was that your love him, Cummings? but that's all I, got. I think if Prince was a, a really big... A sort of threatening masculine figure. The 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 like misogyny of his of his performances right, right. would upset women more. Yes, yes, they're not threatened by him so much, so they see it as more playful. It's disarming, yeah, like, like it's it's disarming because of his his charm and his size. Is that why they go crazy for him? Because he's not threatening. He's not like a threatening, brooding, crazy man. But he's uh, he's heterosexual. He's a little ball of flavor. Yeah. Has he ever talked about dabbling in the gay? Dabbling I, in the gay. Some, oh, some people, I have never heard that. Dabbling like that. in the gay. That is what we do. That by, and we rely curious. on each other. It seems in really into women to me. It, That's an Adele song, isn't it? Dabbling in the gay. Dabbling in the gay. <laughs> the, uh, no, but, uh, but has he ever talked about dabbling in the gay? Uh, no, he hasn't. But I think that it's probably, he's probably experimented. But I think he's. Dabble, in, do you? I think he digs. <laughs> I, I think he <laughs> really digs Smith women. got it on. He's really into women. And not. Just beautiful women. Like, he Tasty loves women. female singers. He loves Canadian folk singers. Like, it's not like he wrote a song for Celine Dion once, you know. Like, he's, Martika. Martika. A, she's good. The song he did for Martika is just Martika's beautiful. Kitchen. No, not that one, but <laughs> I Loved I Will Be Done. 
Um, anyway, I used to have a joke with uh, Luc- Luciano uh, yeah. where uh, he loves Martika's Kitchen. So we would always talk oh, no. about Martika's Kitchen and play it, and our, and our wives would get so mad at us because they hate Martika's Kitchen. Of course. <laughs> I worked a concert at Martika. At oh, yeah? Kingswood, yeah? In Martika's Kitchen. kitchen. Something's always cooking. <laughs> That's now, an example. She actually works in the kitchen, so it's Prince kind of- <laughs> Uh, he's a, a great producer, but he doesn't always give his best material to the performers that he produces. He keeps it for himself. How'd you do? Um, but, you know, people have covered his songs, like that big TLC album, Crazy Sexy Cool. Um, that's the wrong song. Okay, we should. We need to wrap it up a little bit about uh, when it comes to the Prince. We need to wrap... Any, okay. Well, you know, the thing about Prince is there is a lot of hits, but there's so much that people have never heard, and it's unfor- that's the thing I feel bad that the world hasn't heard all of these unique songs that aren't the hits that oh, are so great you know yeah well yeah exactly but the the album the what do they call album uh, album cuts yeah the and, deep and tracks deep he's track. got entire albums that are album tracks you know what i mean oh, it's well, like that's, that's the genius of prince and his uh, you know prolific you know compiling his uh, museum of so he's got a long wealth. legacy that will live on beyond him it's oh, like, yeah. you know that's sort of like you know i mean they I mean, Hendrix. You, is, like I said, Hendrix, thought, has, Hendrix has put out more music since he's been dead, since before that he was alive. Well, if you thought you were sick of him in the '80s when you didn't have to buy his records because they were on the radio and everywhere, wait till you see kids a hundred years from now; they'd really be tired of Prince. Be. Is there going to be a, enough music that they could put out a Prince album a year? There's a lot of now? stuff, and then there's so much stuff that's been released that people still haven't either. even heard because no one bought it. There's a lot of stuff that he he put out that didn't get people didn't buy a lot. You'll never hear? <laughs> like, it's just, that's the, that's the only thing I feel. Like, the people that are big Prince fans, they know about all these songs and, and how great they are. And it's just too bad that everyone hasn't heard them, I think. And, so, well, and how are you going to get more people to hear them? To this podcast, we're going to make change. Woo! So, you know what you should do, though, is if next time you got a big bowl, get, get real nice and, and feeling mellow and uh, put on controversy and uh, crank it up on the headphones. Is that an early... Yeah, yeah it's from 1980. Like he's talking about the raw, unfiltered funk. Yeah, that was you know awesome. that's like pre pre sellout Prince. If you're gonna, if there was a sellout stage, here's some. Well, I I don't know if he ever sold out. No, no, I'm, I'm the joking. The thing is, after Purple Rain, is that he could have just done another thing like that, and he did Around the World in a Day, which had uh, Raspberry Beret on it. Great he single. Went in a completely, See, that, that's, that's that's my favorite Prince song. Yeah, yeah. he like went a in a completely. Song, he went in a Sergeant yeah. Pepper's direction for that album. Yeah, like he he didn't do Purple Rain again. Oh no, no! I, when I'm joking, what I mean, I'm just all I'm suggesting is that oh, for yeah, the, yeah. even for the total purists, right? Yeah. If you go back, if you really want to mine like the root of the beginning or, or the true funk of Prince, go back to those those two albums: Controversy, Controversy, and Dirty Mind. Yeah, and to a lesser extent, 1999, because after that, it was all mainstream. But then he dropped out of the mainstream, right? Yeah. Like in the 90s, people I'm not saying he lost albums. any integrity. Yeah, I, I still bought his albums in the 90s and in the 2000s. I bought everything, and I, I know that people weren't buying them. I've been and, buying all along. But oh, I, yeah? But, but I, I stopped in 1998. Why did you stop? Because I get into other things. I stopped buying Iron Maiden albums in 1992, you know, oh, and then you okay. come back to Maiden eventually. <laughs> everything comes back to Maiden? You always yeah, come right. back to Maiden. That was a pilot. All right, well, okay. All right. This hey, song, by the way, your, is the only way I know the Lord's I got, Prayer. I gotta get out of here. So, what's uh, your favorite uh, Prince song? You have a favorite, like one that you always go. This is the one. If I, oh fuck, that's a hard one. I like "Never Take the Place of Your Man" or "Never Gonna Take the Place of Your Man" off of 1987 Sign of the Times. I think for me, it's "Let's Go Crazy." 
Um, I would say the the actual song "Under the Cherry Moon." I always loved that actual song. More like "Under the oh. Cherry Poon." Kind of jazzy for Prince. <laughs> 